Welcome to Classical Music, The Stories. Welcome to this week's episode of Classical Music of the Stories. This week we are staying in the same time period as Beethoven. Um, we're just moving places a little bit. Uh, Beethoven being in Austria, we move to Germany, but also Austria. Um, Austria seemed to be, Vienna especially, seemed to be the place for musicians at that time. Um, and the composer uh, we're looking at today is the fantastic composer Karl Maria von Weber. Um, and we're looking at a piece by him that is quite close to me as a musician. As most of you will know, uh, I play the bassoon. So I've chosen his finest bassoon piece. Um, it's also one of the finest pieces for a bassoon to play with an orchestra. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and that is his Andante e Rondo Ungarese literally translated the Andante and Hungarian Rondo. For those of you who may not be familiar with these terms, um, an Andante is an Italian term and it means at a walking pace. Not too fast, but also not dragging. And then a Hungarian Rondo, Hungarian is self-explanatory. Rondo basically means um, a theme that keeps coming back, it returns, it rondos. I don't know if that works. Uh, but the theme comes back uh, over and over again, and that's what a rondo is. So in this case, it would be a Hungarian theme, a Hungarian rondo. So you can break up this piece then into two parts. And that is the andante, and then you have the Hungar Hungarian rondo. And both of them are so very different, but they work together in that way. Isn't there the, um, the expression opposites attract? I think that could be uh, said very strongly for this. Um, it was written uh, in 1809 by the composer uh, in Vienna for viola solo. Um, and that's where this piece gets its... Is it a bassoon piece or is it a viola piece thing? Um, yeah, written in 1809 for his brother, Fridolin von Weber, who played the viola. But it was four years later when he, um, he reworked it for bassoon and orchestra. He never published it. He never made it public as a viola piece. He made it public only after he'd made it a bassoon piece. And then you get into this whole territory of why. Why did he do that? The bassoon and the viola are very different instruments. They have different tonalities, different characters. They look they look different. They look they have different sounds. They have different roles in the orchestra. It's it's a very drastic change, but at the same time it's also a very easy change. I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second. Um, uh, Weber had written, had just kind of begun, begun to get acquainted with the, the sound of the bassoon. Um, it was a relatively new instrument by that time. It had been um, invented around the beginning of the 1700s. 
and first used by Bach. Um, so uh, Weber then wrote um, the, the bassoon concerto in F major, which is now widely um, thought to be one of the finest bassoon concertos ever to be written. He wrote that in 1811, so sort of bang in the centre between writing the original piece for viola and then rewriting it for the bassoon. And I believe, I firmly believe, that it was this concerto in which he began to realise that the bassoon might be a better fit for it. I'm not saying the viola isn't a great fit for it. Um, I have to be honest, I've never actually heard it played on a viola before. I'm not really one to judge. Uh, but um, I think it was this concerto that made uh, Weber realise that actually he preferred the bassoon over the viola. That being said, this piece is played on viola a lot. Um, and there is, of course, the the fun rivalries between the two instruments. Who was it written for first? I'm going to clear that up right now. It was written first for viola, but never published as a viola piece. It was published four years later as a bassoon piece. And that's the facts. Um, I don't think we can argue with the facts. Um, so, I was going to explain a little bit why I thought it was actually quite an easy transition between viola to bassoon piece. Um, within the orchestra itself, a lot of instruments shared special relationships with each other. Um, they, uh, they work together really, really well. They make a nice sound and composers um, evidently knew of these relationships and used them to the extent where the music that they create are so beautiful. And uh, one of those particular um, duets, if you like, or trios, that, that would be the bassoon, the viola. Um, when it comes to middle melody lines that wouldn't necessarily be that important, but are still there, viola and bassoon will often join forces. They play together an awful lot. And uh, they their similarity would be that they're not always in the spotlight. They're often just an accompanying instrument, but they do get the spotlight sometimes. They do get um, the light shine shone on them. And... Um, and when it does happen, then it's often for a very important reason. And uh, I love the bassoon for that reason. It's not really, um, it's not an instrument where you have to necessarily be seen all the time. You can kind of take it easy in the corner. And then uh, you do get your moments. And those moments are often amazing. It's uh, So I think uh, viola players would agree with me in that, that... Um, that's probably why they chose that instrument in the first place. It's not really an extroverted instrument, I'll call it. It's not really one of those that you um, see very often. But they're there, and they're very important to the um, overall sound of the orchestra. And that would be the similarities between them. So anyway, this piece, Weber's Andante and Hungarian Rondo, as I said, can be broken into two you um, begin with the theme of the Andante, the theme which you heard in the beginning of this episode. Um, when you listen to the piece then, at the end, you'll notice that this theme uh, comes back within the Andante uh, th four times, yeah, four times, including the theme. So the theme is the number one. Then, a couple of moments later, you get the theme played by the orchestra. Um, 
but the bassoon kind of decorates it with similar notes. Then you get the theme in the major key. You just moved into the realm of A flat major, and it's a, a beautiful moment. I love playing that bit. And then comes the fireworks of the Andante and the demi semi quavers. Fa really, really fast notes. Ridiculous. Um, it's still the same tune, just heavily decorated. And it's after this theme, this variation, I should call it, that we then move into the Hungarian rondo. And this is my favourite part. When out of nowhere comes the bassoon. Uh, declaring the rondo theme, the theme that will return over and over again. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's such a fun moment. And, um, and I think in this sense, the bassoon is the best instrument for this because it it's exactly the right sound for sort of a, a joking, comedic moment in which out of absolute silence comes a jumpy melody. Um, and I think that's, in that sense, it's, um, it's more a bassoon piece than a viola piece. Of course, I understand if the viola players want to keep playing it, that's, um, it's, it's only fair. It was written for a viola for, uh, first. And actually, a lot of pieces for viola and bassoon are shared amongst the two as well. There's um, another sonata by Telemann, which um, is also um, shared between the two often. Um, so... The same thing happens over and over again. A couple of themes here and there, beautiful flowing melodies, fantastic moments of the orchestra, before you get to the last minute in which the bassoonist um, goes nuts and, uh, and plays ridiculously fast. Like, there's fast, and then there's this coda. And um, I can say from experience that it is probably a moment that all bassoonists dread um, it's all, um, having said that it's also a fantastic end to a fantastic piece so that rounds off the Hungarian Rondo rather nicely um, uh, so uh, Weber himself um, is also loved heavily by the clarinet he wrote so much wonderful clarinet music like so beautiful and he also wrote some fantastic operas and a lot of really amazing piano music. I really like Weber. His knowledge of harmony and the way he could um, the way he could surprise us but also make it that we expected it in some way. It's it's feel good music. It's he's a bit like the romantic version of Mozart. Um if I was to recommend any other piece by him, I'd say go for uh, the overture to his opera, opera Das Freischütz. That is brilliant piece. The um, the opening is the four horn solo, four horns playing together, and it's it's to die for, honestly. So anyway, that's the Weber Andante and Hungarian Rondo. So that's all for me for this week. Um, to finish off, here's the whole piece, the longest piece so far in my podcast. Um with uh, the marvellous bassoonist Klaus Tunemann playing with the Academy of St. Martins in the fields with conductor Neville Mariner. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this piece. It's marvellous. Uh, next week is a special week. It's the first week in which I bring on uh, a guest, a friend of mine, and um, I will be talking about their favourite piece. 
and um, maybe talking about why they chose it. I don't know. I hope you can join us for that. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening and enjoy this fantastic piece by Weber.